Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Quarantine Break podcast. Today's guest is Robert Webb, perhaps best known for playing Jez in Peep Show as one half of Mitchell and Webb. But more recently, Robert has gained critical acclaim in the world of books. His 2017 memoir How Not to Be a Boy was an incredible and searing look at the construct of masculinity while simultaneously being deadly funny. Now his debut novel Come Again, which Robert describes as griefy, is released at the end of this month and is utterly hilarious. We had a great chat over the course of half an hour speaking about the book and writing, but of course, peep show and whether we'll soon be seeing a digital lockdown version like Carshare anytime soon. We talk about what he's been doing while staying indoors and we chat about some of the celebrity videos we've seen and had some thoughts on. Take a listen and I'll be back at the end. I can only begin one way. Are you feeling well? Are you feeling healthy? I'm feeling both well and healthy. Yes. No, I'm um, uh, we're all fine here, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Are you well used to be such a generic greeting, didn't it? I genuinely miss those days. Yeah, and now it has this terrible weight behind it. Like you're asking an actual question. Are you are you are you stricken with the terrible <laughs> plague? No, no, I'm not yet stricken with the terrible plague. I feel fine. Well, for all we know, I may be without knowing. Oh, what fun times. So the idea of this podcast is to take a little tea break from the, ro- the world, which is needed, I think, at the moment. Mm. Um, as it's a tea break, how do you take your tea? Any particular bag or blend? Uh, milk, no sugar. Um, at the moment, uh, for weird health reasons, I have to drink decaffeinated tea, but which actually I'm so used to now, it tastes like real tea. Although I think uh, I'm pretty sure that in the first few days, I definitely noticed the difference. But now I'm not thinking about that too much now. Uh, it's as far as I'm concerned, it's just tea. So yeah, I have a bit of milk in it, but no sugar. I heard a story. Uh, this may be misattributed to Ridley Scott, but I, if I'm libeling him, I don't think it's too bad because it's quite a nice story. Which is that uh, whenever he starts a new movie, he gets all the assistant directors and all of the runners to gather around, and he takes out a Dulux color chart and he points to one of those shades of brown 
and he says, this is the colour of tea. No other colour is tea. Um, so he shows them all how he wants his tea, uh, which I admire, although he sounds like an absolute nightmare. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't spread this story around. I mean, if you've got Russell Crowe on set and he's coming up with a really weak bruise. <laughs> the least you want is the right kind of tea. Yeah. If not the right kind of vodka. Um, so because of social distancing, we're obviously talking over video chat today. I mean, you might have noticed I'm not in the room with you. You really aren't. I was kind of disappointed, but um, but that, that's all right. It's, you know, at least it's, it's hygienic. Uh, we feel, <laughs> as, as far as I'm aware, uh, we're all feeling safe. It's good. I suppose in the old days, we would have, the old days that we we're talking about four weeks ago. But it, does, probably... it does feel like the before times, doesn't it? I, mean, <laughs> yeah. the stuff, I mean, even now you're sort of watching TV of, of stuff that was obviously made before uh, before the after times. And you're going, don't stand so close to it. Why are you hugging? What's going on? These people are crazy. Kissing? You must be joking. I look at news presenters and I get genuinely anxious when they're a bit, sat, when they're sat too close together. Yeah, yeah. They're not. They're not always maintaining the full Osman. They're not always two meters apart, <laughs> as far as I can tell. The Osman method has been really useful, actually. Whenever I've rarely gone for a run, I've always imagined Richard Osman, which is a weird thing to do when you're running. I go for a walk once a day, and some people. I mean, yeah, there are some very wide interpretations of what an Osman actually is. I mean, some people are just, they all but lick you as you go by, and. <laughs> Others, you know, they will do an elaborate corona dodge right into the middle of the road into oncoming traffic. And I salute those people. Uh, and I hope motorists are getting used to the idea that at any moment, someone might just walk out in front of them for their own good. <laughs> <laughs> this is to be anticipated. But I suppose in the old days, we probably would have been doing this in some kind of mid-level hotel room. There would have been a bed awkwardly in the corner. We would have both been trying to ignore it while we were having this conversation. <laughs> like in Planes, Trains and Automobiles, we would yes. just start talking about the game. You see the game last night? Oh, hell of a game. Uh, but we're using video chat for everything at the moment. Work, socialising, um, even dating apps are getting in, so, in on it, which sounds quite grim. The word Zoom... Just uh, like up to a fortnight ago, it just what that word meant to me was just uh, a pleasant single by uh, Fat Larry's band <laughs> um, from the eighties. Uh, but now it's such a big part of my life, and also something called Slack. Yes, which my kid, my kids are eight and ten, and they they sort of talk to their friends over Slack, which I just never heard of before. I mean, it turns out quite a lot of homeschooling is just IT support. <laughs> Uh, there's, so there's, I mean, just, yeah, these things are all new, but I thought I'd, I'm 47 for crying out loud. I thought <laughs> I'd finished learning new things or I was hoping that I'd finished learning new things, but no, apparently there's more learning new things to be done. <laughs> but is Zoom infiltrating your, your, your day-to-day life? Are you having, um, drinks with friends over Zoom? A lot of my parent, parent friends getting quite excited because for the first time on a Friday, they can sort of go out with their friends, both of them, have a drink. But also they can go they can claim to have lost connection at <laughs> any moment without seeming rude. They can just go. I did have I've got uh, a group of friends, about eight of us, about four couples. I I, I suppose we had uh, somebody made up a quiz. We had like a pub quiz. And um that wasn't as ghastly as it sounds. It was quite good fun. I wouldn't want to do it every week. <laughs> I mean, you talk about missing your friends and, oh, I never get to see my friends. And then, you know, within seconds, 
of talking to your friends again. <laughs> your friends are being as annoying as your friends always were. And now it's every weekend. Now, yeah, it's just now you've got to schedule it like it's an event. And uh, no, it's nice. It's nice to do. It's, <laughs> I do love my friends and it's nice to talk to my friends. It was a good quiz. Thank you, Toby, for organising the quiz. <laughs> Uh, you did tweet the other day, I've yet to have a video conference call where I don't at some point think, I could take my top off. <laughs> am I going to take my top off? No, I'm not going to take my top off. I am maintaining standards just. You know what, Simon? It's not just you. It's, <laughs> I, think, I think it's because I've got used to so much video conferencing that I'm through the temptation to take my top off. But, <laughs> but now that you mention it, who knows what's going to happen later? I mean, I like the sense of jeopardy for this podcast already. At any point, yeah. there could be full frontal nudity. Who knows? I mean, what could what <laughs> could happen? I mean, it's there's no it, there's no downside for for me. I mean, <laughs> what, what are the sanctions here? It's like yeah, I'm in I'm in my own home, Simon. I'm in my own home. Why not? I mean, I don't have a tagline for this podcast yet, but may contain nipples would get me a certain audience. I guess. <laughs> I've got pretty nice nipples, actually. I'm not going to think about it. <laughs> um, it's been a mad time for all of us. I'm not sure about you, but I still wake up screaming, remembering that Celebrity Imagine video. <laughs> it was so horrible. Oh, oh, I need to get up and shake that off. Oh, oh that's oh, it was really fucking. Great. They all looked like they'd fucked up their meds. I mean, not a single one of them didn't look like there was something really unexpected and wrong going on in that with them cognitive dealings. Why was it so slow as well? So slow, and they and all in different keys, and and all the kind of shrugging, modest, kind of self-deprecating. Oh, this isn't so great, but but there again, there are other people who clearly thought they could sing and they can't sing, and it was just so memorable. And yet, I watched the cast of Hamilton sing to a child, and I was in floods of tears, which proves that there is no standards. Um... Yeah, it shows what we know. I mean, yeah. It didn't make me want to go and see Hamilton, I must say. <laughs> I've been going around thinking, oh, no, typical me. I should have seen Hamilton. I can't believe I missed Hamilton. Uh, everyone talks about Hamilton. I bet Hamilton's great. And I, 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 I watched <laughs> with that, albeit very heartlifting and marvellous thing for that cast to do. And I thought, nah, I'm not that bothered, I'm not that bothered about Hamilton. <laughs> Maybe I should, I should do more research about what <laughs> <laughs> I'm missing with Hamilton, but I just thought, ah, oh, Hamilton, sharp Hamilton. For a sense of balance, Hamilton is it isn't like that on on stage. Uh, really? They don't appear on different screens. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. If they don't appear on different screens, then maybe it's maybe they know what they're doing. <laughs> I was trying to imagine it in the theatre. I thought this just wouldn't work in the theatre. <laughs> but how have you been keeping? What has been your biggest challenge so far? during the lockdown or have you had any challenges um yeah you do feel a bit stressed and anxious and knackered and upset about you know it in general and you feel sorry for the people who are you know having a much worse time of it i mean i mean i why i can't help thinking there is no time during my life where this wouldn't have been worse if i you know when, when i was a teenager and living with my dad 
or when I was in my early 20s and living with a couple of mates, but we didn't have any money and it was kind of awful. And, you know, there are various parts of my life where it would have been a lot, lot worse to be uh, stuck inside. As it is, I've got my three favorite people. It was my wife and my two daughters, and that's fine. We've got a little, a tiny North London garden, but at least we can get outside and there's that. And uh, there isn't that much to worry about in terms of uh well, i can i can work or i can not work and i'm you know i've been very lucky like that so i'm just really grateful um in a smug and overly sincere and desperately earnest way uh <laughs> i'm i i'm counting my blessings but um yeah it is it's a stressful time for everyone but um we're all we're all right thank you for asking is my answer we're i mean what's been the difficult bit um it's just the homes it's homeschooling homeschooling really brings it out of you I'm not a flipping teacher. I went to enormous trouble not to be a teacher. I think that would have been my default, you know, without knowing anything about it. I thought I probably would be quite a good teacher. And I'm glad that I didn't have to find out because it, I'm pretty sure I would not have been a good teacher. I would have been popular, but chaotic and kind of <laughs> idle and bad. And I'd have been sued by now. <laughs> I mean, on school homeschooling, are you the sort of person who's up every day for PE with Joe, school classes with Connie Huck? Are you dancing with OT Mabuse, Rob? Uh, not that lo- that last one sounds like the most fun, and I haven't done that. I'm going to check that out. Dancing with whom? <laughs> who, who should I be dancing with? Uh, OT Mabuse. Oh, cool. Uh, from Strictly. Uh, no, I like the sound of that. I did do Joe uh, a couple of uh, times, and I thought I would stop. but but we yes we did do that as a family uh while school was still going so i mean it's a it's another world we're in because we're in the easter holidays and uh next week it'll all kick off again so i mean god knows i mean i suppose after let's dance for comic relief there's surely been public demand for your own how-to dance video you'd series think, you'd think but no the call hasn't come yet I've got, I've got that leotard i've got it out i've had it washed and ironed it's ready <laughs> uh it nearly fits um and i don't have the wig i think it was the wig that really made it but no no one's asked simon no one's asked I mean, there is so much being created digitally at the moment. Mm. Um, are, you, are you someone that looks at all of that and thinks, I want to do something? I mean, you have just finished a novel, so it's not like you've been sat around eating yeah, frosties. I'm, I'm sort of feeling a bit, I'm not feeling very sort of extrovert at the moment. I don't feel very sort of showy-offy, um, but maybe I'll, maybe that will change and I'll want to, you know, do my job, which I suppose is to entertain people. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I would be, I've always said I would be doing that, even if um, nobody paid me but it turns out no actually <laughs> I've, got, I've got nothing else to do and yet i'm still not entertaining the country uh, it's outrageous really i mean i have been weirdly busy with the with the book um i'm sort of writing bits and bobs and i'm you know so i mean there's there's i've been strangely occupied but um but when the boredom really sets in maybe then i will try to amuse everyone uh via video link I mean, I was thinking about this interview the other day, which I should say is the bare minimum an interviewer should do. It's a really low bar. I feel, you, I feel ravished by your consideration. <laughs> Peep Show feels right for a digital comeback, surely. Uh, a comeback? Well, that would involve me and, <laughs> me and David wanting to do it. But what, what we always said was, um, when we finished on Series 9, was that... Um, 
it wasn't the you know you you'll notice we didn't drive off drive a bus off a, off a cliff at the end i mean they are still around those characters and uh we thought that what would be fun if we are so blessed is if david and i make it into our like late 60s early 70s it would be funny to go back <laughs> and see mark and jeremy in the same flat having the same conversations with the same theme music that everything's exactly the same except now they're about <laughs> 72 <laughs> um we that's what we that's what we sort of said but i think in its present form um there's no call for well anyway it's it got can what can i tell you it got cancelled there's no more peep show <laughs> stop asking for more peep show there is no more peep show but we made loads i mean absolutely loads i mean what is Je- jesse armstrong up to these days he sort of disappeared, <laughs> kind of disappeared didn't he yeah no he stopped uh i think he clawed his way to some kind of uh, respectability on the back of sam bain's talent and now <laughs> uh he just um he looks through bins now i think i think he mainly <laughs> looks through bins yes it hasn't been it hasn't been such a such a a dry patch for jesse armstrong or indeed for olivia coleman um so you know it's it's been very it's been a great show for other people (laughs) (laughs) um i was reading an article on vulture speaking to writers on shows on how they would have treated an episode on coronavirus so michael shoe was talking about parks and rec uh, there was one on Frasier, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I think they even talked about Lost, uh, which was a little strange because wasn't it on an island? Isn't that the definition of self-isolation? Yeah, was Lost knowingly a funny show? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly um, towards the end. Right. I mean, um, I, most sitcom is about lockdown anyway. Or it's, mm. uh, sorry, that was a poncy thing to say. But I mean, metaphorically, it's like, you know, it's the, the characters in most sitcoms are there because they're, they're stuck with each other. And Mark and Jeremy certainly are. They're sort of economically dependent on each other. And also, you know, they, they rely on each other because they sort of go, well, at least I'm not him. And that's the best thing about their lives is that Jeremy can think, at least I'm not Mark. Mark can think, at least I'm not Jeremy. And I think they depend on each other like that. I mean, <laughs> I think all sitcoms about characters being stuck together. So having made that tart little point, uh, what was the actual question? Well, I suppose... <laughs> I suppose, how would Peep Show have tackled uh, a coronavirus episode? There sort of was, wasn't there? There was a mm. there was an ep where they were in the nether zone, which yes. was in between the, the flat door and the front door. Uh, and I think, I, did they spend the whole episode there? Not quite, but it it was, yeah, it was quite a long uh, one with just Mark and Jeremy talking to each other. So, I mean, they just did their usual thing, didn't they? It would be, an, an, a lockdown episode of Peep Show would be a pretty typical episode of Peep Show. <laughs> but i would love to see it mark doing fraught zoom calls with johnson uh jeremy going to a club night on twitch um sam jesse i'm sure you are listening uh that story treatment is going relatively cheaply relatively um good that, well i can't comment i'm, I'm just the i'm just a bystander to this transaction now i'm just <laughs> watching that happen in front of my eyes um, lots of people have ob- obviously been watching Peep Show for comfort during the past few weeks. Why do you think a show where its main characters killed and barbecued a dog, uh, pissed in a church, tried to plant a gun on someone, has brought people such comfort in these times? I don't know. I think it, it's um, my theory about what Peep Show is about uh, is based on um, in the first series. There's a bit where um, Jeremy makes friends with Jeff. 
Mm. And he's kind of going, oh, Jeff's a proper man. Jeff's proper. Jeff's into FHM and he plays pool and he shags birds and he's a proper <laughs> dude. And and Mark falls out with Jeff, of course. And Jeff comes around to the flat and Mark tries to broom him. He gives him the broom through the letterbox. He goes, I'm brooming, I'm brooming you, Jeff. I'm brooming you. I'm giving you the broom. <laughs> and, um, and there's this sort of panicked voiceover from Jeremy it's going, Mark or Jeff, Mark or Jeff, Jeff's mainstream. Uh, and I could leave this weird, uh, it wouldn't just be me and Mark anymore, sitting in our weird little puddle. I could join the mainstream. And I think that's that's a lot of the the feeling of the show is that it's it's about people uh, who feel that they're in the weird little puddle, puddle and that everyone else is doing it properly. You hear more than once the line, it's like I'm having a good time. It's like I'm having. A, I mean, it's just so tragic, but I think that's a that's a completely universal feeling that that you you're sort of self consciously going. This is what it's like to have a, a good time. This is what other people having a good time is like. I am doing that <laughs> for once, and it's a it's a heartbreaking thing. But I think it's totally universal that we all feel from time to time, at least, that you know there's this cosmic party syndrome that you walk in a door, you walk through a door, and the party that's been going on stops. And everybody pretends to be normal because uh, <laughs> you're there now. Uh, and then as soon as you leave, the party can start again. I think that's everyone feels that. And that Peep Show has that running through it like a stick of rock. I was going to say, actually, another show that people keep referencing and re-watching at the moment is the, the event sketch from that Mitchell and Webb look, uh, yeah. this apocalyptic aftermath, stay indoors flashing up on the screen. Um, where yeah. did that idea come from? And are you a time-travelling wizard? Uh, I am not a time-travelling wizard, I can reveal. Uh, it came from the strange <laughs> rhythms in the head of... Uh, who wrote the first ones? I think it was David Mitchell and the uh, writer Jonathan Dryden-Taylor. John uh, was one of the core sort of other writers on the on the sketch show. Uh, and then Jason Hazley and um, Joel Morris uh, wrote another three of those. So I think they did three each those two writing pairs i had nothing to do with it i didn't really like them uh, <laughs> uh, i i didn't i wasn't one of the writers on those sketches but um yes it, i mean it, it's horribly appropriate isn't it but um i i prefer to think of the more joyful in a rude way working from home sketch which is also uh found currency um, <laughs> because it's about wanking which nobody does of course they do their nine to five then they wait for their partners to come from a separate room and then they have dinner that's right that's how it should be that's the normal way <laughs> um because i assume you probably don't watch shows starring yourself to bring you comfort or maybe you do i don't judge it's been um, known not lately but you know i I've, i'm a fan of peep show i'm perfectly happy to watch peep show if you want to imagine me sitting at home watching peep show that's not inaccurate i don't do it often but it's bit, it's been done i mean i go down you, you can get sucked down those youtube you know, wormholes and do I mean wormhole or rabbit hole? Rabbit warren. Those, those worm warrens. And uh, I can start watching clips of uh, Peep Show or indeed sketches from that original web look. Perfectly happy to blow half an hour doing that. But what TV have you been watching um, in the past few weeks? Oh, other TV. Uh, I've been catching up with um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, which makes mm. me laugh a lot. Uh, I hadn't seen it for well, about seven series. I, I, I saw the first two or three seasons and then I've only just noticed it's back. And um, yeah, he's got divorced. It all seems different. He's even pettier and meaner than he was before. I just love the 
out instantly. These very rude and unpleasant characters start shouting at each other yeah. about these minor slights or failures of social etiquette. I just, I really enjoy it. It makes me really, really laugh very quickly when I start watching that show. It's amazing because he doesn't have any of the redeeming qualities that a Mark or a Jeremy have. I mean, they're both awful people as well, but really you are, do feel yeah. for them. No, the challenge of the show was always to to fight, especially with Jeremy. Well, because I was playing Jeremy, I didn't care about David's problems. Um, <laughs> the challenge of playing Jeremy was always to, you know, to find those those vulnerable moments, all those poppyish, enthusiastic moments, and and play those because uh, the rest of the time he is just this mean petulant sarcastic uh, talentless deluded stupid uh spiteful um and selfish person so you know on paper he's an absolute shit but so it was always the challenge was to, to make to make him watchable um and um I, by the way that's not a criticism of sam and jesse i mean all of those things make him funny. it's it's almost all that stuff that makes him funny nice characters are not funny um but well, not very often anyway uh, it's harder, uh, so it was. A, yeah, it was a question of um, making him bearable to 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 spend half an hour with. Uh, have you been finding that you've been watching more TV in the past few weeks, or have you been finding other stuff to keep you busy? Mindful apps, uh, baking. Everyone seems to be baking. Everyone has a sourdough on the go. No, I don't have any real hobbies. Um, <laughs> my life's a sort of empty husk, really. Uh, I've been doing bits of yeah, bits of work, bits of writing. I. Been, I go for my walk every day. I've I've finally committed to Spotify Premium. Um, <laughs> you know, this is, this is quite big news in my world. Uh, and yeah, TV. The, the girls who are eight and ten uh, have spent many years lobbying for a Nintendo Switch, and we finally gave in uh, and took pity on our, our locked down offspring. And uh, so I've been playing a bit of Mario Kart. Oh, it's wonderful, isn't it? It's great. Such a beautiful game. I mean, some of those tracks, I mean, li- quite literally take my breath away. I kind of go, <laughs> like, I just, I just, you, you career off the edge of a thing and your little parachute opens and then you go, where's the rest of the ra- Oh, it's there. It's, I get quite involved. I mean, yeah, the tracks in Mario Kart are beautiful. They they, they are yeah. stunning. I mean, I hardly really, I mean, I had a PS2 when I was about 30, which is longer ago than I care to mention. But apart from that, <laughs> you know, I hadn't really been really really playing video games since I, I was a kid with my zx spectrum so as you can imagine the speed and quality of graphics has really come on quite considerably <laughs> you have to i have to say so to my 20th century brain uh this is indistinguishable from magic <laughs> have you what about reading have you been doing much reading during this time i'm an uh, even more idle and chaotic reader than usual i've got about at least eight books open by my bed at the moment. There's a book about writing called uh, First You Write a Sentence by, I can't remember his name, but it's, that's quite interesting in its own way. I've started a, a massive uh, Stephen King novel. I've also started uh, the first volume of uh, A la Rechasse de Perdu, uh in an English translation, uh, just because, oh, well, it's the most famous book I've never opened, so I thought I ought to open it. And it's quite it's quite tough, but it's quite immersive, really. You get from one end of a sentence to half a page down the other end of the sentence. You kind of go, well, at least I wasn't worrying about coronavirus. Uh, I, really, I was concentrating on not forgetting how this started. 
so uh so there's that but also fun books as well um wishful drinking by mm. carrie fisher i just finished and that is a massive hoot uh that's just it's based on her stage show that she did in 2009 or something like that and um you can tell because every line is a is a joke or a set off or a joke and it's just really very well honed it's a very slight very slim book really easy peasy i enjoyed that um so quite a few bits and bobs I'm basically a cliche in starting a podcast and all of this because next to PPE and testing, a podcast is obviously the best thing to heal the world. Yes, I agree. <laughs> you can't go wrong with a podcast. But does part of you think, fuck, I could have written this novel now. Now is the perfect time to write a novel. Why did I do it when I could still go to restaurants? I suppose so, but it just didn't work like that. And also, um, I'm not sure if these are perfect circumstances to write a novel really because you you need to be able to get out and talk to people and kind of unwind and um so it's uh so i'm i'm glad i mean yeah i'm I'm very glad it's <laughs> i'm very <laughs> glad it's finished and uh and i i will start the next one when i have an idea but um but that doesn't seem to be happening right at this very moment i suppose um a lot of people rightly or wrongly are going to be writing seriously for the first time over the next few weeks um this is obviously your second book after the wonderful how not to be a boy uh, do you have any f- advice for first-time writers Ooh, uh advice for some writer i mean just i mean it's odd really because I, i'm I know what I ought to say, but the kind of advice that I was getting that sounded sensible was absolutely no bloody use at all, which was uh, every now and again, I would kind of, there would be this kind of howl of anguish that I would let out on Twitter with the first draft of this novel. The, the memoir came much more easily, and uh, partly because I planned it all. I, I gave myself a massive head start, and I'd written the first two chapters, and I'd written 50 pages about what happens in the rest of the book before any publishers saw it. Mm. So they could see that I vaguely looked like I knew what I was doing, or at least, you know, I'd made a good, a good, doing a good impression of looking like I thought I knew what I was doing. Anyway, um, whereas this was just, it was half a page. It was like three paragraphs, you know, um, widow goes back in time, meets future dead husband when he's an annoying teenager. And that's (laughs) the, basically the premise and, uh, and everything else was I, I kind of got to that and I kind of went okay well that's the that's the, an idea for the beginning of a story and then you have to go okay well, what's how would I like this to end and I gather it would be quite useful to know if something interesting happens in the middle and then I think you have to join everything up so I was kind of going oh I don't know what to put and then sorry to get back to your question what advice would I give the advice was always just write just write it everyone everyone both writers and non-writers on Twitter. Just, just write it. It doesn't have to be good. It just has to be done. It's first draft. It doesn't matter if it's crap. Just write it. Just write it. And I'm going, fucking write what? <laughs> I don't know what to write. That's the problem. I'm literally some kid in a classroom putting his hand up and going, teacher, I don't know what to put. So stop telling me, just put it. Put, what do you mean? Put just fuck off. <laughs> um, so thank you for everyone for their encouragement. But... Uh, what you do is you just write it (laughs) i mean i was i I mean this this question feels uh more um pertinent now but why did you want to write a novel um it doesn't sound like a fun (laughs) experience i mean much as i love being associated very closely with peep show and i'm very happy that people confuse me with jeremy and that i try to take that as a compliment (laughs) as an actor 
uh, I've convinced them that I am this person. You know, I, I am aware that every time I mention that I've written a novel, there is a certain certain number of people are going to get back to me with a line from Peep Show <laughs> yeah. about how Jeremy doesn't know what a novel is, <laughs> or what is reading, how do you read, what is a book, <laughs> all references to Mr. Nice. Uh, so that just comes with the territory, and that's fine. And I, I'm delighted that everyone is having their fun <laughs> with quoting Peep Show. That's nice. What was the question? Why did I write a novel? Oh, because I had an idea for one, and I thought it would be a good way to entertain people. Um, because uh, it's a funny book, it's an enjoyable book, even though it's a bit griefy. Um, it's there to be hugely enjoyable. That's what its purpose is. So it's it's just another way of um, doing my job. And um, so it seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, and how long had you been sat on this idea? Since 2012. Wow. I know exactly where I was when I had the idea because it was some. It was during the Olympics, and we were filming peep show and i was sitting in jeremy's car it's never been fully explained how jeremy can afford to tax and insure a <laughs> uh a volkswagen golf but he can and we were waiting for the lights to be re-rigged and i was on twitter and somebody said has anyone got any great ideas for a, for a story and i just remember, remember looking through the the, the the window of the car and Kate Marsden sort of came to me there. Um, I don't know how that happened or how it will ever happen again. Maybe it won't, but um, that was that was the idea. And then I was busy as an actor, and uh, and the idea for the memoir, you know, doing a masculinity themed memoir, kind of overtook it, and it seemed more urgent. Um, and that was the that became the book that I wanted to do first, and also to get you know get the memoir out of the way so that you're not your first novel isn't this thinly disguised thing about people you know uh and now I, mm. so i've done that and now i can make up characters that i don't have to be tactful about <laughs> so this is a period story because it jumps back to 1992 and 1992 is basically regency drama now um, <laughs> it really is uh, yes oh madam you are i see you are wearing your ned's atomic dustbin t-shirt <laughs> that you borrowed from your boyfriend again <laughs> yes mr darcy i anyway um yeah, it is it is a bit i mean 1992 was uh, so she goes back to she wakes up and she finds herself in the wrong room in the wrong body she's 18 years old but she remembers everything and this is freshest week at the university of York. This is where she met her husband Luke for the first time, who is in the future where she's just come from, uh, recently dead. So she's going to meet Luke again. Um, and I picked Nightingale too by it was no accident because that's that's when my freshest week was. I am that old, uh, and uh, so I didn't have to do any detailed research about the times and the, the clothes and all of the, I don't know why I'm talking like the detail, because I'm thinking of detailed files that <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger has in that movie where he is a robot. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't have to look too many things up because I, you know, when your first week at college, if you have one, it's, uh, quite, uh, it's quite a memorable time. So, uh, so I remembered most of the, stuff about music and clothes and bits and bobs like that so um yeah i find 1992 uh, sort of interesting time generally because it, it was a sort of golden era of total boredom i mean there'd been a recession which was very painful to some people but mm. other than that it was we were kind of two years into john major with another five to go i mean <laughs> think of the 90s as a as that sort of new labor brit pop kind of era but that was really quite that came out that, that was quite late 
it was it was another it was yet another conservative decade mainly and it was tremendously dull and i i think one has a enormous nostalgia for dullness now I think it deals with uh, time travel in a really unique way because for most people, when they think about going back to their youth, they want to do something differently, date someone else, invent the iPhone, warn people about Nigel Farage or whatever. (laughs) Um, But for Kate, she wants to do exactly the same. Yes, she thinks that the reason that she's there is to warn Luke and in order to do that, to convince him that she is his future wife and that he has uh, a slow-growing meningioma in his head already, that he has a brain tumour that's going to kill him in uh, 28 years' time, she has to win his trust. And the way she thinks she's going to do that is to do everything exactly the same. Um, Hence comedy, because you can't (laughs) do everything exactly the same. Um, And, um, yeah, I mean, it's that daydream of going back and, and what you would do differently and what you would do the same. And I think that's universal. I think a lot of people have that daydream. I think it's peculiar if you, it would be weird if you didn't at some point. Um, but I think you don't you don't have to think about it for long before you realise it would be an absolute nightmare because you'd be totally isolated. If, if you knew everything about, you know, your friend's future, your own future, mm. the future of world events, and you were the only person who knew this stuff, um, it would be, you'd be tremendously lonely. Uh, and also, you know, uh, she's there with her future husband, but he doesn't know who she is. They've never met as far as he's concerned. Uh, he's just this girl. So um, it's really, it's quite griefy, really. There's a lot of, you know, it's about how, she, you know, she's stuck in the past um, because she lost her husband and she, everywhere she turns, he's there and she can't, she's not getting better. And she has to actually go and live in the past in order to re-engage with the present and to rediscover that the present has something to say for it. It's the it's the bit where you move out of grief into mourning, where you where you start to reintegrate the lost past with the new present. And that's mm. when we get better. There's a there's a really nice thread as well of meeting people when they're not quite done yet. I mean, Luke is probably sadly <laughs> yeah. quite like the English student I I was. You know, he's that- certainly like the English student. I I mean, I I wasn't quite as bad as Luke, but he but he certainly I certainly pretended to have read books that I hadn't read. Um, <laughs> I never quite got to the stage of pretending to be French, uh, which <laughs> Luke pretends that he's related to Eleanor of Aquitaine. Um, but, you know, she has to go through that. She's kind of sighing her way through this, all of these ridiculous affectations that he'd grown out of or that she'd taken the piss out of him out of. Um, and he is still this, you know, this boy. Um, and, uh, and yes, no, I thought that, would, that, was, um, that was an enjoyable part of it to write. Uh, the book is such a huge amount of fun uh, and it's really, really welcome at the moment. It has that sense of a romp to it. Kate is, Kate is a black belt who can kick the shit out of people. There's a car yeah, chase. Yeah, why not? It gets pretty broad in places and fuck it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's a brilliant driver. She's got a phenomenal memory. She's a world-class uh, computer expert <clears throat> and she's a black belt in karate. So it's going to be a fun ending, clearly. Uh, you're a busy man. How did you get the writing done? Are you someone that needs the perfect conditions to write or can you be sat on a trailer bashing out 600 words over lunch? Uh, it was always at home. Uh, I don't I don't write anywhere else, uh, but it was either uh, here in the room that I laughingly call my study or it was either, uh, downstairs on an outside uh, table um and uh no i don't have it i love those kind of sunday supplement where how i write 
columns, you know, where people go, <laughs> I rise at 5.30 in the morning and I have some quinoa and do some yoga for an hour and then I blah, blah. And uh, no, I'm, I'm slightly better in the morning. Um, but <laughs> if, I, if I do it in the afternoon, it's just as good. Uh, uh, I like that. I, I was impressed by the, the thing that Philip Pullman said about the muse, that the muse won't always call, but um, you have to be in. You have to be mm. at your desk uh, in case uh, it or she does. So that's again, that sounds like terrific advice, which I would probably not follow myself. I mean, I'm just yeah, it, I don't know how it got done. Slowly, <laughs> if you ask the if you ask the publisher with several deadlines missed, is <laughs> how it got written. Uh, come again feels very ripe for the screen. Is there any appetite to turn this into a screenplay? Um, I would love that to happen. Um, there's there's talk. There are, I won't I won't disguise the fact that there is talk. There's talk. But I'm not I can't I can't go further than saying there's talk. Uh Robert, thank you so much today uh for joining me. Um thank you for taking the time out. Thank you very much, Simon, and I wish you well. That was episode one of the Quarantine Break Podcast. A huge thank you to Rob, not only for spending half an hour of his time in all this madness but for agreeing to do a brand new podcast robert thank you so much for being the perfect first guest come again is published april 23rd but is available to pre-order now through independent bookshops waterstones and amazon i really hope you enjoyed the show if you did please like subscribe and as it's easter in lieu of chocolate why not give me five stars don't forget to follow the Quarantine Break podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Quarantine Break. I'll be back with another episode soon, but in the meantime, please stay indoors. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.